Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Most of us expect birth to be a reckoning. Whether we fear it or look forward to it, we know that it will be a challenge. But after the baby's born, many of us are surprised to discover that the postpartum period is its own reckoning, a rollercoaster challenge we were not told about. In this podcast episode, our three panellists discuss everything they wish they'd known about the first few weeks after birth. From how it was to come home from hospital with a little baby, to the do's and don'ts of family visits, and the physical and emotional challenges of the fourth trimester. Our panel today consists of Bex Ota, Head of Marketing and Mother to Ray, 8 months, Helen McDermott, Lawyer and Mother to Satanta, 9 months, Sarah Falconer, Retail Development Coordinator and Mother to Gabriel, 8 months. You are listening to the podcast To Become a Mother, and my name is Caroline Johansson. Welcome, Bex. Welcome, Hi. Helen. Welcome, Sarah. Hi. So, Bex, I'd like to start by asking you if, when you were pregnant, you'd given any thought to how it would be coming home from hospital, like that immediate period after birth. I think a lot of people sort of said that you'd be like in a bubble. So I kind of expected to be like not thinking about anything else, you know, just focusing on the baby and kind of in that kind of cloudy sort of world. Um, so a lot of people had said that to me, a lot of, you know, mums and friends. Uh, so that definitely was was true. It, I think it's the first time I didn't want to text anyone. Like I didn't want to WhatsApp anyone. Like I didn't want to communicate. I think it was just such a joy, but also quite a trauma at the same time, you know, with everything, you know, that you go through with birth. You're just like, okay, I just need a minute. I just need a minute, like to myself and with my partner and with my baby so it was quite quite insular at yeah. the same time yeah um Sarah what about you what what expectations did you have about that period before you'd given birth so very similar I think I thought that it would all be this blissful kind of state of change where you'd come home and just be instantly sort of at one with the baby and really want to nest. Um, I did actually was quite reluctant to have my family around because a lot of people had said, 
you know, just spend those first few days. In fact, there's advice to say 40 days, you know, don't have people around for as long as possible. Whereas I was just so desperate to celebrate with more people, you know, it was so lovely those first kind of 12 hours maybe, but I just couldn't wait for people to meet him, which I don't know, I was probably high on the gas and air still um because looking back I think oh my god I just definitely needed some time to chill but for me I just it didn't feel real still so it was almost I actually need external confirmation that this has happened (laughs) I need a glass of champagne with someone who I would normally clink a glass of champagne with you know my mother (laughs) to tell me I'd done it because it was felt so it just went so quickly obviously labor is you know, very, very different for everyone, but mine seemed to go so quickly. And he was there and it was almost to me sort of, oh no, hang on. It's too soon. I'm not, you know, I'm not ready Mm. and not, not in any way that you, I mean, you're ready. You've got the cot, you've got the nappies, you, you know, you're never ready emotionally, spiritually, whatever. Um, it's always going to be such a big change. So yeah, for me, it was, you know, it time kind of just went away with me. And I think looking back, definitely I would have had more of a pause. And so you had, it sounds like you had people over quite soon. Can you tell us a bit about like who came over, who were the first people to visit and and how were those visits? So my mum and dad live in Liverpool, which is obviously a good couple of hours drive from London, about five hours drive. So my mum had said, as soon as you get home, ring me, which I was really apprehensive about at first. And gosh, if she ever listens to this, she'll be absolutely fuming. But (laughs) I kind of thought maybe I'll, don't, won't tell her when I get home because I was so conscious of, you know, trying to establish this bond with the baby straight away and spending those precious moments together immediately but I actually couldn't wait for her to to meet him and for them to come over so I think the idea of that was was so lovely and exciting and it was great for maybe the first couple of hours and then I just him being passed around I felt really anxious about that I think if I'd have just voiced as well guys, I just need a minute. You know, I didn't, they stayed for, you know, a good while. That was my mum, dad, sister, her husband, um, baby, my brother, his girlfriend, and my other sister. So it was, a, you know, it was a full house really like the second day I got home or rather that, well, yeah, the second day I'd had him rather than the first day I got home. I think in retrospect, you know, you do want to celebrate and you do want to well, you may want to, I certainly did. But actually, I think just having 24 hours even just as a three would have just been so lovely. Mm-hmm. It felt quite overwhelming quite quickly. And I don't know, my parents are amazing and adore them to bits, but it was, and you know, we're so close, but yet they felt really like guests in my house. And it was, you know, I was still making them cups of tea and still kind of conscious that the house wasn't clean and you know looking after everyone I mean I didn't I know I didn't stop I was like putting the wash on for of stuff for that I brought home from the hospital mm. which just you know in hindsight I definitely wish I'd have just said 
the kettle's there, the champagne's in the fridge. Please sort yourself out. <laughs> sort yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, my dad said, "Can I get? Can I have some water, Sarah?" And I said, "Dad, yeah, please." The tap <laughs> over there. Yeah. So I think just communicating really honestly and saying, you know, that's enough. Yeah. You know, or just yeah. even if they you don't want to have them over so quickly, just tell a white lie. If you really can't face having that conversation of, I just need 24 hours, then a white lie of, oh, you know, I'm going to go straight to bed or whatever would, I think, be beneficial. And um, Helen, turning to you, how, how was how's your memory of this time? Did you have family yeah. visiting as well and we did yeah so um I suppose I, I agree um with what Bex and Sarah are saying about um the expectations although for me um I was quite anxious about the birth um so I had a planned c-section I was so nervous that I couldn't actually think beyond that so I couldn't imagine what the baby like we did have conversations and uh, my partner and I about you know um what the baby might look like or what it's going to feel like bringing them home but it just didn't feel real because all I could think about was you know I have to go through this procedure hopefully everything's okay the baby's okay and then um what will be will be but uh yes so we had um my mother come to stay so she came over from Ireland to to give us a hand which was lovely she arrived a couple of days before and then that it was lovely so whenever we got home I mean the more that we brought the baby home it was a massive ordeal we hadn't like test did a test run with the um the baby seat or anything so James was delayed coming to pick me up because the baby seat wouldn't go in and he had to ring the the manufacturers and there was some part oh, missing there was gosh. some fault in them like and it's a, it's a really like well used um uh baby carrier so but anyway so delayed and it was like the hottest day um mid July and uh yeah it was just um I remember there was the traffic had been diverted so we were going down all these small roads um uh, local roads with speed bumps and I had just had a section and oh, it was just like gosh. the bouncing was, was like this thing is gonna open um <laughs> but uh yeah yeah, I mean, it was grand. So we arrived. It was really nice to have my mom there, um, uh, which was lovely. And then my partner's mother decided that she also wanted to come from um, down from Manchester. You know, she said that, you know, she should be there as well. And um, James tried to explain to her that, you know, maybe it might be a, a good a good time, um, which got quite upset. And um, she ended up coming as well. So we were all in this two bedroom flat. Um, and I remember the heat was just, I don't know if oh you guys can remember. God. And that time it was so, so hot. So, hot. so James and I were sleeping in the living room on the couch <sighs> because it, it was, yeah, it was so hot. And then the two mothers had the bedrooms. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, Helen, you are a thing. I mean, yeah. But when you look back at it now, at the time, it seemed like, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. But like you were saying, mm. I remember getting, um, you know, the, the um, those meals that you buy that they give you all the ingredients yeah. and then like trying to make it easier. But I did presume someone else would cook them. But <laughs> I like that. I found myself um, acting as host and you know um making all the dinners and things so yeah it was I, I completely agree I think that it's really important um to you're well you're not being selfish but to be selfish and just saying no because you're gonna end up looking back at it now as I am and being really pissed off yeah it's funny so, how you kind of carry on as as normal as in like yeah. I haven't had a baby no but you yeah. Have. yeah yeah and you kind of forget that you've just gone through this huge thing and you need to take time, time for yourself and things yeah. have changed. But yeah. you kind of carry on with like the same way you were before with like yeah. your parents or trying to be polite and trying to be a host. Mm -hmm. And it's like, 
okay guys we've just been through this huge huge mm-hmm. thing yeah um, but you do forget because it's just yeah. it's a matter of hours between that person before and yeah. the person you are then yeah it's you so know? crazy so, to think of it like that isn't but then it? you yeah. also have the baby to look after like yeah. you think if you had a procedure like that like a procedure on your leg or your arm you would oh. go home and you go to bed but now you have you go home you have guests in your house you have to look after and this child that nobody yeah. else and you have you no know, idea what to do i have no idea yeah. what to do yeah. there's no ingredients for the ready meal for them is there, there no there's not <laughs> i presume my mother would know exactly what to do but you know they it's it's your baby it's different times i think they forget as well yeah. you know it's been such a long time since yeah. they've done it like even my mum you know she was she was really eager to help and you know she's actually really good and practical and she was like tidying up and helping with the baby and stuff which was amazing uh, but you know, she still was like, I don't, I don't remember how to change a nappy. I don't remember yeah. how to do yeah. any of these things. Yeah. And I obviously didn't know either. So we were just sort of like learning together. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then turning, thinking back on these visits, was there anything that stand out to you that, you know, you would not do on future visits yourself? Things that you should definitely not be doing as a visitor and were there things people did that were really good that you think? That was a really good thing. I wouldn't have thought about that, but that's... They should have made dinner. Yeah. <laughs> practical things is honestly the best. Yeah. Like, I remember my mum came over and just washed up straight away. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I Heaven. love you. Yeah. 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 Um, so practical things were really helpful. And then had someone else who came over, um, but they just took the baby from me, like, straight away. And she was only, like, two weeks old and, you know... It, obviously it's all in good intentions but like rocking the baby in a way that I wouldn't have rocked her and it, you know really cuddling her and even though that's you know lovely from the outside I just felt really protective about mm-hmm. that and I just think that I probably wouldn't do that now I mean mm-hmm. maybe before being a mum I would maybe have done the same sort of thing you know had a cuddle or whatever but um I definitely would wait to kind of, I'd ask and see if they said yes or maybe just not even say anything mm-hmm. if I visited someone for the first time because it's such a new thing. And, totally. You know, I, I think practical things, it's so invaluable. You know, our next door neighbour dropped off a, um, like a cottage pie or something. I couldn't, it couldn't even remember what it was, but I just remember being so elated. And, you know, we didn't know them very well. I mean, we wouldn't even know them well enough to invite them in to see the baby mm. ordinarily. Mm. Obviously we did then. Um because they brought gifts but you know it's I think she was quite a new mum as well relatively speaking and I think definitely just dropping off some practical elements and then saying you tell me when I can come Mm. Um, yeah she She absolutely knew and close family it's such an exciting time it's so wonderful and you know this new addition is just priceless but just don't get too ahead of yourself with the baby and look after the mum. The mum mm. is the one really who needs looking after. The baby will be looked after by the mum. You know, they need so little at that point, mm-hmm. even though it seems like they need something constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, the mum's got that covered, but yet she's not necessarily looked after. I remember going into the bathroom at one point and you know, my whole family were there just all looking gorgeous because they came, you know, specifically Mm. for the occasion. And I had, you know, no makeup on. I looked so bloated and greasy hair, you know, still in like these black pajamas that I brought cheap just for the hospital. And I just felt so sort of, I don't know, out of place in my own home. And I don't know whether there's a way around that really practically if they're going to come over. 
So yeah, tricky one. Yeah, no, I I remember myself, I was wearing this nightgown when my husband's parents came over and it, I just felt so out of place. Yeah. I tried to do my hair, but it just didn't cover up the rest of it. Um, Even the closest people, you still have this weird sense of I need to look like I'm okay or I need to look mm. like this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And of course, mm. you are, you have just been through the most significant thing most likely that will ever happen even with your partner like I don't think James ever seen me like walk around like that you know (laughs) it would like we you know there's horrible underwear that you end up wearing and you know like no bra and your boobs are sore and yeah it's um that lasts a while yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) and Sarah you were saying before that it's important you look after the mother Mm -hmm. and the baby will be taken care of if the mother is fine. And I think like one of the key persons in doing so is probably the partner, right? The one mm-hmm. who's there to support you. And had you spoken to your partner before, um, before you came home from hospital about how, how you were going to divide up the task, like how they were going to support you and how, how did that turn out in reality? Like what was your experience and your support from your partner? I mean, for me, um, we kind of already split up a lot of the chores before because I was just so massive when I was pregnant (laughs) that I couldn't really do a lot of things so um that's my excuse (laughs) so uh he was doing a lot of the cooking and like the kind of practical things anyway so I think that really kind of helped from that side of things so that I didn't really have to think about that side and I didn't feel guilty about that side because he'd kind of been doing it already to support and then in terms of when the baby came home, when when Ray came home, we kind of um, just kind of did it together for the first two weeks because obviously I mean, it sucks, doesn't it, that men only get two weeks paternity. Mm-hmm. It's just so goes so quick. But um, we did everything together at that point. But then just slowly, kind of a routine started where he would always do bath time because I thought that would be such a lovely thing for them to do. And I think a friend had told me that that's what he does when he comes home uh, for his kids, you know, after work. So. We've just always done that and it's always worked really well because then it gives me like a break. Mm-hmm. So like he'll come home, I'll be like, okay, there you go. And then they have like bonding time together. And I think she looks forward to seeing him during bath time. They have some funny like jokes and stuff, that they little play time that they have. So yeah, we, that's kind of all we really did. But it's all, I would just keep talking about the chores. The chores thing is like, <laughs> it's so important for like someone to like take that away. But with the baby side, we kind of did sort of share it until this little routine started. What about you, Helen? You had a C-section, so I guess yeah. you must have been very reliant on James. Um, so uh, we actually didn't speak about it, you know, um, dividing up chores beforehand. But um, and I wish we had. But uh, no, we didn't. Although James is generally very good anyway, like you know, cooking, cleaning up, um, housework sort of thing. But um, he was working, so he had a couple of days off after the baby was born, and then he was finishing off a project which had overran and needed to be done fast um so he ended up working he had the uh, baby was born Tuesday he had that week off and then that was it um and uh until and then uh, um the project ran until I think the beginning of September and then he took his um his leave so it was very much me and the baby until like eight or nine in the evening um so that was that was quite hard but um no I wish we I really wish we had divided up the chores that would that would have been really helpful and in high hindsight if we were to do it again definitely would and did that lead to any um 
conflicts. You know, it's funny, it did this morning when everyone was talking about this podcast. And I was, you know, I was, I was like, and what date was it that uh, that um, you finished up that project and took some leave? And then um, we had this massive uh, over and back. He was trying to tell me that he had two weeks off. And I was like, you absolutely didn't. You only had a couple of days. And your mom was there. You know, we were, we were, we were hanging out together because you were working. But um, did it cause, uh, I think it did. And I think, um, uh, it got to the point where, you know, he, he was working late and I had, um, you know, I told him that it, it was really difficult and, you know, that I wish that he wasn't. Um, and I was quite upset about it. So he just made a huge effort to get back, get home early, as early as he could. Um, so I think I would advise definitely like not to try and do it yourself and to be really honest about it. Like it's not being selfish. Like if you need help, because it's not only, you know, like your physical day to day, whether you have a section, you have a, an easy birth or a hard birth or whatever it is it's also your mental health you mm-hmm. know and like to have someone there because you feel and I, I talk to other friends as well you know it, you really do um as a mother feel as though it's your responsibility and you know if you're in maternity leave that that is your job not from nine to five but from mm-hmm. you know um morning to night and and that's sort of the expectation so I think if you are struggling even if you're not struggling um just to uh just to be honest and otherwise you'll end up resenting them or like in um in nine months time whenever you're asked to do a podcast and answer these questions um, you feel you know a little bit angry inside <laughs> it's a good way to get it out there yeah it? yeah definitely <laughs> and um, I guess when you come home from hospital there's just so much going on we touched on it earlier like physically emotionally you're just all over the place um, Sarah are you able to describe a little bit more how it was and how it felt for someone who hasn't who is now pregnant and is trying to imagine how it is I think definitely thinking even if you haven't had a section of whatever birth you've had that you will be post-surgery post-physical trauma is really important I definitely had absolutely no thought on I'd read that you might still look pregnant I was totally fine with that okay no problem as long as that goes down in x amount of time and I was I was quite anxious about that actually I've always had a bit of a body conscious you know um probably not a great relationship with my body so that was always in the back of my mind that I would be really upset that I still looked pregnant which is just so daft but I'll be kind to myself and say well that's just how it was so I didn't really think actually I might be in physical pain still bleeding really heavily just so so exhausted and yeah there was just no thoughts on that whatsoever you know you had seen in oh god so stupid but you know you look at films and Instagram and people coming home with babies I mean you know photographs and newspapers of people coming out of the hospital and you just think why don't why don't I look like that so you know the the image of how it all looked was I'd kind of prepared myself for that and for feeling a bit crap about that Mm -hmm. to be honest but actually how hard it was on your body I mean you feel like you've been hit by a bus don't you um it's it's so lovely you feel so proud of yourself and you know, I was really lucky. I had a really good birth and um, everything went relatively well. So there was no sort of, I wasn't coming to terms with sort of 
trauma in that sense. But, you know, just how I had an episiotomy and I wasn't really explained to how to care for that. Or, I mean, I didn't even know what side the stitch, I thought the stitches were in a completely different place. So, just to not going to look down there. Like, yeah. It, well, it, like. <laughs> I mean, you, I definitely couldn't. I don't think I could now, no. you know. It was like, even like, how, you know, excuse the graphicness, but having a feel around there, I was like, I just cannot physically tell where these stitches are. Mm-hmm. It was sort of just, that was really, that was a complete shock. Mm-hmm. You know, my milk came in straight away. So that was really lucky. So boob wise, that was okay. I felt quite sort of, lucky I think there's a, that's the only way to describe it is lucky in that sense I think you either it comes in quickly if you want to breastfeed or it doesn't and you have a good time or you have a bad time um it's not black and white obviously but you know I was quite lucky in that sense it all worked well breastfeeding wise but just the physical exhaustion the bleeding the soreness just you know, it being an effort to get out of bed still. Obviously, we'd spent nine months struggling, hauling ourselves out of the bed to go to the loo in the middle of the night. And yet there was no relief from that, really, personally. I, I did feel more comfortable than I did when I was pregnant. It was just a different kind of uncomfort that I was completely unprepared for. Mm. And to have to feed in the middle of the night and do all these you know, your life still goes on and there's still dishes to be washed and all the rest mm. of it. That was, yeah, that was tough. And Bex, how, how was it for you? It was really hard for me, if I'm honest. It was actually opposite for me. So I felt worse. I felt better being pregnant and like worse when I came home. But I think that's because I had quite a very difficult birth. I had all the things that you don't want happen, basically. Like I was induced, well, my water's broke, then... My contractions wouldn't speed up, so I had to be induced and then had a episiotomy, forceps. I hemorrhaged, so I lost like half my body's blood and had loads of people running in the room and emergency buzzer and all that stuff. So it was, yeah, I had to have like transfusions and things like that. So I obviously wasn't prepared for that. And um, I was kind of in shock, I think, when I went home, which I think is why I mentioned before about not wanting to like speak to anyone because I was just like, oh my God, like I can't believe I've just gone through that. Mm-hmm. What what has just happened? So I had so many crazy things. Like I'd still do like injections and loads of things, loads of tablets and stuff. When I got home, I couldn't really walk because my feet had swollen up. I'm mm-hmm. not actually sure why, but I couldn't get any shoes on. So it took me like three weeks to kind of walk to the end of the road and back. So I was so exhausted. I think that was just from the blood loss. Like I was still on my iron supplements and stuff. So that was just so physical, like so, so physical. And, you know, the episiotomy as well, like just so sore. And oh my God, this sorry, this is really graphic, but just like going to the toilet was horrific. Like, and just no one kind of really tells you that. They're like, okay, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be sore. You just have to, you know, deal with it. And it's just, you know, going for that first poo, sorry, was so bad. It's like, it was so bad. It's the strangest thing. Yeah. And uh, so just, you know, having to deal with that day to day, you know, I think also when you kind of, before the birth, you kind of, I read so many books, um, you know, obviously NCT groups and things like that. But 
you know, you kind of plan for the practical things. Like I was so, I honestly felt so prepared. Like I was so chuffed with myself. I was like, I've read all the books, you know, I've done all the groups, I've done hypnobirthing, all the stuff. But then my birth was so like hectic and I could not have been prepared for that, even though I thought I was. So it was, I definitely was in shock and I still feel like I've always got a bit of PTSD style effects from that Mm. because it's taken me a while to kind of deal with that and feel kind of normal, mm. like normal in my body. Still maybe not really normal in my body, actually, but it's taken a long time. And also the emotional side of it is crazy. Mm. Like my hormones were insane. Like I remember looking at her like in the middle of the night and like had some music playing or something and just some, a song came on for the birth playlist. And I literally was just like crying for like hours and hours, you know, but just also touched with myself that I'd done it mm. and just looking at this thing and being like, wow I've done that Mm. but also like what has just happened you know so yeah it took it took a while hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I definitely remember the highs and lows of those hormones, like how happy I could feel and then how sad. And it's like you're in puberty, but on speed. Helen, how did you go through? I, <laughs> I bet you did. But how was it for you, those 
first few days? I had um, a plan section um, and I remember uh, there was so much about it that I I didn't know. So I, I didn't know, I mean, stupidly, that you had to have a catheter, for instance. And uh, I remember we were just left there. Um, I, well, I felt we were just left there in the hospital, kind of just to fend for ourselves, this little baby. And um, nobody explained, you know, even like about going to have a shower. Like, is it OK? You know, because you just imagined like I, I'm kind of iwi about things. So I couldn't like look at the wound or I didn't know what was going on down there. Um, and you're numb as well. So you just have no idea um, that there's a catheter, there's any of that stuff going on. But um, yeah, it wasn't really explained um, to us. So I think it would be really helpful. Or in, even in NCT groups, I don't really remember talking about, the, they like they, they don't talk about a section, you know, they don't talk about, I think we did it very briefly, but nobody was really interested um, in, in hearing about it because, you know, everyone's hoping that that won't happen or, you know, there's, there's not, um but uh, yeah, so we don't know. But I think coming home, and I know it's probably a terrible thing to say, but I honestly thought it would be worse. So I thought the section would be worse than it was. And I know people always think that, you know, it's the dreaded thing you don't want to have to do. And I was all right, I think. Yeah, so I came back and as I said, I had my my mother and my mother-in-law and I ended up um doing quite a bit you know I wanted to go out to the park so I think like on day two I'd gone out to the uh was walking out of the park with the baby um and uh like doing stuff around the house but I do think I overdid it a bit and um I uh like get, like lifting the baby I wish I had asked for a bit more help from my partner you know because like, I was very much like I'm fine I can do it and uh yeah so I had quite a bit of pain in um my wound and I remember the midwife coming and you know it was weeping a little bit at one side obviously because I had pulled it and I should have just um relaxed a bit more and let others um help uh but in terms of the emotions yeah I mean I remember the the midwife coming and I just completely broke down you know just just I couldn't I just couldn't stop myself, control myself um, from crying and um, just really overwhelming. And I didn't really know much about the baby blues or, you know, that it was something that that is normal and that that it comes. So like Beck said, I felt like I was very prepared. I'd read everything. Um, I had bought like everything. I had about five packs of nipple cream um, <laughs> and I had every nappy lotion under the sun in case one didn't work I needed five of the other I had like you know um, uh, reusable nappies which I never used all of these things but I, I definitely wasn't prepared for the um, for the physical or the emotional part of it and I don't know if someone had told me if I'd be prepared either because you know you're just so concerned about you know I don't know thinking about um like I suppose the but for me it was just thinking about the birth and I couldn't really get past that like what what was gonna happen after it but yeah by the yeah. way that nipple cream is mm. actually really good as lip balm if you still have some I have about five there you, you go yeah. still got your packs yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um do you remember the first nights because I remember the first night I didn't really know what to do and it felt also quite lonely at least for me being up in the night how was your experience there in the beginning when you were finding I'm so sorry this is a terrible answer I <laughs> I honestly don't remember but that might be because I was probably on the gas nair for like 24 <laughs> hours or something so um and obviously all the the drugs after so I just it's such a blur I just remember those first two weeks as kind of like one day one day one um, long day 
Yeah. Kind of is, in a way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With yeah. a few naps in the middle. <laughs> um, I actually loved getting up in the middle of the night. Weirdly, I think everyone had warned me how sleep would be completely off the menu and you know, enjoy it while you can in pregnancy. God, I hated that because I literally slept so badly Mm. (laughs) in pregnancy. So it was like, okay, thanks. But no, I I do actually remember being quite excited to get up when he started crying because it's so quiet at first. I mean, the volume really cranks up at nine, at nearly nine months. It's pretty loud now, but um, then it was, it was so quiet and, and I quite liked the quiet of the of the house at that point and when he was that little I would actually take him out of the cot take him into the living room because the feeds were quite long you know and just it was quite dark in there and I actually did did enjoy that time Mm. um I mean that wears very thin as they get older (laughs) the night feeds Mm. definitely not as enjoyable um months coming after that but no I think I was so ready to hate it and dread getting out of bed that for the first, only the first two weeks, I mean, it it felt like a real novelty, novelty and the fact that it was just just the two of us. My partner did actually end up getting up most of the time because he was quite excited to be involved in it as well, even if it was just to like make me a cup of tea while I was doing the breastfeeding. But but yeah, I think that that was actually, you know, a, a nice surprise, mm. a pleasant surprise in that time. So yeah, a good good experience to be honest for definitely the first few weeks and what about you helen how was it um i remember the the night sweats oh god yeah i do actually yeah yeah Yeah, um, that was something i didn't know about as well so (laughs) and i thought it was only me only whenever i spoke with other mothers um which is important to do um they were experiencing the same things so yeah night sweats uh so satanto was very he had to sleep on you so he wouldn't anytime we'd put him we had this beautiful cot that um, my my partner's um dad had made and he had been in it and my sister had been in it which was really beautiful but the child never slept a night like you know he had to be on you or else he would just be awake um so yeah I don't feel like I can say about getting up in the night because I think we were always up in the night so but I do know what you're saying about it was quiet like I felt I thought for for, um my maternity leave you know I I was like I'm I'm just gonna read all these books um maybe I'll start a business like maybe I'll, (laughs) I'll do all of these things but um the reality was very very different for the first two weeks the baby was calm um and the crying was low like you say but then after that you know it felt like he woke up. So two weeks in, then the, it, it, it all changed. But um, yeah, that's how, how I remember it. I, re- I remember actually that point of the two weeks because yeah. I was like, oh, our baby is special. Our baby doesn't cry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, doesn't cry much. She's really quiet. I mean, she was really loud in the hospital, like so loud because yeah. she wasn't getting her milk at that time. That's another story. But um, I remember bringing her home and, you know, the milk came in and you just think, oh, like, this is what it's going to be like mm-hmm. yeah. and then after like two three weeks it's like oh okay yeah now it's now it's mm-hmm. changed yeah now it's showtime yeah. yeah there's definitely definitely the first while is is so di- is so different those first mm-hmm. two weeks week three really definitely for me as mm-hmm. you're saying for you guys was right this is this is the real deal now I think you're just in such a bubble aren't you mm-hmm because your emotions are so up and down 
as you say, Caroline, the highs, the lows, you just, you don't know where you're at really. Mm. So you're just kind of playing it by ear. As you get into a bit of a groove, there's obviously real positives to that because you fi- you're finding your feet a bit. You're maybe not as traumatized, maybe not as sort of feel as clueless. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like, okay, I get, I, I get how to change your nappy now. You know, the chores are kind of evened out mm. or what have you. But the baby does get so much more demanding then, don't mm-hmm. they? Yeah. At first, the cries are cute and quiet and they sleep so much. But just even week three for me, and, you know, often that's ironically the time that partners go back to work. Mm-hmm. If you have a partner and it's, you know, so that was a big shock as well. You've got to it's do a lot like, first as well. Like you've got, yeah. I remember doing like, okay, I'm going to go to the cafe on my own. Mm. What? Oh my God, what if? she shits us out yeah and you know which will never to do. happen do you remember the first you know you're thinking oh my god i've never done that i've never done that i've never yeah. changed her in the park at that time it was summer wasn't it so it's such know. a steep learning curve yes isn't it? i remember just being like i've just got to get through the first of things yeah. like the first time she's in the car the first time you know you're on a bus and so it was kind of scary time yeah exactly you said sarah mm. it's like they go back to work and you're kind of on your own and things have evened out a bit but you're doing a lot of the first so that I remember that being quite Mm. challenging as well. And when did you feel that you were starting to find your feet? Haven't found them. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's definitely, I mean, you're just constantly learning, aren't we? Like I do remember at three months, I think we went uh, to Tenerife and I remember it feeling a bit better, like she was sleeping well and we put her not in another room, but she was kind of on this, in this like living room area next to the bedroom. And I thought, oh, okay, that's like a step forward. And we just really enjoyed our time. Obviously, it's always different on holiday, isn't it? But I felt kind of quite at ease. And I think probably that holiday did help actually mm. um, to get away and just and be back together again, actually, with like Tosh being home and or being on holiday and having that support again. So it's almost like a bit of an extra sort of rejuvenation and things started to feel a little bit more in a routine yeah and I've done all the first the first by mm, then yeah mm-hmm. I mean she yeah first flight yeah first flight <laughs> pooing herself yeah all through her clothes on the flight oh, having to change her and wash her in the sink of the toilet so you oh. know I've done that now I can do, yeah. I can do anything now I think about three months it feels like they won't break yeah know? yeah, yeah. it's feel a bit sturdier there's just always new challenges, aren't there? There's You find your feet with one phase and then you have to kind of really quickly adapt to a new phase. Teething. So, yeah, with oh. with newborns, definitely by eight weeks, I kind of thought, oh, this is I've got the hang of this now. Mm. I can kind of comprehend the next step. And with yourself, in terms of landing in how you were now because as Beck said before you came home from hospital being kind of a new person to the one you were before when did you guys feel that you were starting to get used to that new person that's so interesting to be honest I went through a bit of a hard time maybe about four months so I stopped breastfeeding quite quickly I just apparently it's quite a common psychological thing where you just think you're not giving them enough milk which happened to definitely happened to me. I just was convinced I wasn't, he wasn't getting enough. He was quite fussy and turns out now he probably just, oh God, needed burping properly or was just a bit tired. And I was mistaking him being hungry for being tired or the other way around rather. So 
I stopped breastfeeding quite quickly and my hormones just plummeted. So I felt so, it just, it wasn't a sadness. It was just pure anxiety. I felt so anxious all the time. It was a very physical thing. It was almost in my head. I could tell myself that I was fine. You know, I could look in the mirror and say, you're fine. You've got this. But physically, I felt so sick. I felt like I was going into an exam all the time. It was as if I had ants crawling all over my body. I felt I had no appetite. So I was just like, God, you just eat biscuits, just crap, you know, Mm. which obviously in turn makes you feel so much worse. Mm. I just thought I was doing a rubbish, rubbish job. And I think, you know, I had no idea about postpartum anxiety, no idea. It was always postpartum depression that we were kind of taught about, so to speak. Mm. And equally, I thought that that would come on straight away. So by, you know, eight weeks, nine weeks, you're like, okay, great. Thank, you know, thank goodness if you're lucky enough to avoid it. For me, that sort of period of feeling really just very alone, very incompetent. I felt very guilty for missing my old life and felt that I didn't deserve this baby at the same time. Just, it was, that was a really, really tough time. Mm. So I can't, remember sort of feeling myself before that but definitely when he got to when Gabriel got to about five months and I started to I think the hormones just regulated Mm. honestly I I mean I, I still don't know I don't know whether it was hormonal I don't know whether it was just you know circumstantial whether I don't still don't really know and I wish I'd read more about it at the time. I wish I'd spoken to more people about it. So it's only now that I'm really Mm. talking about it to family and friends. And at the time I would be so upset talking to family, but just, it just, it was very similar to those baby blues. If, you know, I actually hate that expression because it can be so serious and Mm. people probably just mistake proper proper postpartum depression for baby blues. Mm. But, But then it's handy to have a, a term that everyone goes through it it's cool you know you'll feel better in a couple of days but yeah I only really started to feel more like myself in January so when he was about five months and I thought okay I felt like I'd really gotten through an ordeal from those from month four really Mm. so it can take a while depending on on your circumstances Mm. and um Helen, what about you? So when did I kind of feel myself again? To, well, to be, uh, so I think with, with Satanta, um, we went through uh, quite a hard period up until about four months old. So he was um, just crying all the time. And I remember asking just other other mothers on uh, one of the NCT groups, you know, have, does anyone else feel like their child is, um, if, if they're not sleeping, they're crying. Like he would just cry all the time. And particularly from about three o'clock until 11 p.m. So 3 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. He would just cry. And it was really difficult because, um, you know, uh, my partner wasn't wasn't there because he was at work and the baby would just it was just really relentless. And it was really difficult to burp him and, you know, tried all the techniques and um, not, nothing would work. And you just felt like, what am I doing wrong? You know, obviously this this baby is, you know, wants something um, and I'm just not able to give it. I like, went through the feelings of maybe he's not getting enough food. Um, I'm not able 
able to burp him. You know, he's tired. I can't, I can't get him to sleep. So this continued. So then, um, at a, and I, I also brought, I brought him to the GP and they talked about reflux. They gave me medication for reflux. Didn't work. Um, uh, brought him to breastfeeding support. You know, they said he's, he's, feeding perfectly well nothing wrong there um brought him to an osteo he just screamed his head off you know they said it was a wee bit tense but everything was fine um and then around four months he um turned a bit of a corner because that's whenever they can burp themselves um so i think at that point um he was crying not as much still still a cranky baby but not as much but it wasn't until six months old that um we learned that he had tongue tie uh, that was a cause of you know a lot of that difficulty that he was going through it was pain in his, his little tummy and sucking in air and not being able to to burp it up so I think that was a really difficult period for me I mean it was I, I didn't know if it was my emotions or just how anyone would feel you know dealing with um, a baby that's constantly crying because your baby that's constantly crying you don't sleep so I never really was able to pinpoint what it was that um you know was was making me feel the way I did but yeah so I mean when did I start feeling like myself again to be, to be honest and this is being very honest I still don't I still don't feel like myself and I do look forward I don't know if it's going to be maybe going back to work or you know things like that but um yeah I still don't feel like myself many people can probably relate to that after they become mothers. And just to round off this conversation, um, I'd like to ask you what you would tell, the good advice that you would like to tell other pregnant women out there. Well, definitely get support from as many mums. So I think, I mean, I was part of an amazing NCT group and I know it depends on potluck on who you get in those groups, but I think regardless of whether it's a group or you find someone who's a friend of a friend who's having a baby at a similar time I mean I've literally made really close friends with you know someone who my husband works with who had a baby two weeks before Ray and it's you know it's um invaluable because you are spending you've suddenly gone from working five days a week to being actually having quite a lot of time and you know because the baby sleeps a lot or you're kind of you want to get out you want to get out every day so it's really important to make those connections when you're pregnant because you're not going to have time when Mm. you're when you have the baby. So that's that's my main piece of advice because the support you get from people is invaluable. Like it really is. It's been so special to me. So yeah. That's a really good point. Sarah, what about you? Yeah, definitely. I'd echo that. I think I had read and heard, you know, the cliche, ask for help, ask for help. And yeah, it still felt really unnatural to do that, especially with friends who maybe, you know, I'm not from London. So the friends that I have, you know, some of them live quite far away or any that are a bit closer, um, you know, don't have kids or, you know, if they do, they're preoccupied with their kids. So it would always feel like your emotional needs were, would just be a burden, you know, or if they don't have kids, they, they wouldn't understand or, they would be too nervous to offer any support. And sometimes you don't really know what it is you want. So it's actually quite hard to quantify. Yeah. I just need you to come and mm. sit in the house for an hour. And actually, I need you to take a day off work. Yeah. You know, if I definitely got to the point where I needed someone to take the day off work and come and sit with me for a couple of hours in the afternoon, you know, even my husband, I wouldn't 
have asked him to do that. He would say, do you want me to start finishing work at three? And I'd be like, no, 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 absolutely not. I can handle this. I can do it. But just to, it's not admitting defeat at all to just say to a friend, even if you don't think that they would be the most comfort, but just someone, anyone, just ask them to put themselves out and they would be absolutely over the moon to do so. No, that's really good. That's really good to know. Um, Helen, what about you? Final advice? I completely um, like completely agree with what uh, Bex and Sarah said. Um, I feel like you've stolen my advice. <laughs> but um, apart from that, I think, um, so for me, it's to to trust your instinct with your baby. I mean, and you're the baby's mother and you know best. So uh, for me, um, the journey we went through with, um, uh, you know, the, the baby crying all the time and um, you get passed off a lot, you know, uh, like with the GP and with um, the breastfeeding support groups, um, with the osteos, you know, with other mothers, you know, like you're you're just a first time mom, you know, this is normal. Um, I mean, it's just colic. You hear colic, colic, colic. Um, but, uh, you know, if it, sometimes there is something else that can nothing, not that there's something wrong, but sometimes there is something else that can be done. So I think it's really important just to, um, just to be really firm. You know, if you think there's something wrong with your baby, um, then just to be really firm and not allow yourself just to be passed off as a first time mom that doesn't know any better, you know, that this phase will pass that, you know. So I think that, and as, as you said, to reach out for, um, support and, uh, yeah, to get it where you can and, um, just be really honest about, you know, the things that, that you need, or if, if you're, if you're struggling with things, just ask for help. Great. Well, thank you all very much. This has been such a nice discussion and, uh, I'm sure it will be a great help to everyone out there who's pregnant and listening or thinking about having a baby. And I wish I'd heard this conversation when I was pregnant. So thank you very much. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.